Girl, father long legs. Um, you know me, Daddy T. Wow, this is the solo episode you've all been waiting for. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I don't think anyone's been waiting for it. But I've done this for the last two years um, since this podcast has been born uh, on my birthday, and so I thought I'd continue the tradition and do a solo episode. Um, so here I go. But before we get into it, you know, I just want to make a quick announcement. Um, it was my birthday yesterday. I guess when, by the time this comes out, it will have been a few days. But um, I posted this online, but if, and if you are listening to this and didn't see this and want to kind of join me in celebrating this year, um, to be honest, 2020 has been a year where I don't really feel like celebrating myself, but uh, I also get overly anxious and sad if I just am by myself on my birthday. So this year... I've asked my friends and family um, to send me a love letter. And I don't mean a love letter to me. I mean a love letter from you to you and um, written to yourself. Like, you know, dear Teresa, hi, I love you like that, but with more details. And I, I, um, I think it'll be very nice to be able to see sort of what makes you guys love yourselves. Um, it's inspirational for me, someone who's trying to learn to love myself, but also just, I think the act, act of writing it down will bring much joy to you, which will bring much joy to me, knowing that you spent some time thinking about how great you are, because you're great. You are great. And I hope that for everyone out there listening, um, uh, who isn't sure, you know, of themselves yet, to be able to look at themselves through the third person and be able to appreciate how great they are because you are. So if you want to do that, you can send it to me. You can send it to me in the email, but I love, I am a sucker for a handwritten letter. Oh my goodness. So I'm going to give you my PO box. Please don't make me regret this. PO box 11041 Glendale, California 91226. So send me a letter. I can't wait to read it. Um, I, I know some people already sent them, and I love it. So this is going to make me happy. Um, that's my only announcement, so let's get into it. Okay, so I guess I'm going to start with a good confession, because I do this every time. My good confession, before I get to the meat of this episode, is that it's really simple. I, I had a really great birthday, um, very simple, nothing like anything I've ever done past years when I was growing up, especially in my 20s. I always wanted to throw big parties. I always thought in order to, you know, celebrate and feel good, I had to just kind of really be as big as possible. But while that was also fun, this year I did something I never thought I would have wanted to do. If you asked me last year, woke up at sun right before sunrise, um, had just like a few close friends meet me um, at the bottom of a hike. And we hiked up to a tree uh, and watched the sun come up and all shared things we like about ourselves. Wow, I could truly, sometimes I truly think I am becoming a cult leader, but I'm not because I, you should do what you want. I, I have no interest in people following me uh, into their doom. Um, I simply love to be surrounded by friends who inspire me. So I guess if that's culty, then that's culty. I don't know what to say to that. 
but it was very nice. Um, so that's my good confession. I have no complaints and no notes for whoever's writing the story of my life. Thank you for a nice day. Um, I hope that this, <laughs> I hope that 2020 ends happily. Oh boy, we got a lot of work to do, but I really hope, I oh, it's a crazy week. I really hope next week does not end in flames. Um, but you know what? I'm ready for whatever happens because I'm ready to be present. All right. Speaking of being present, here we go. Teresa, is there anything you'd like to tell me? Uh, why, yes. There is something I'd like to tell you and tell me. Um, here is my confession. I don't think I've talked about this on the show before, but I love choices, but I hate choosing. Okay. You're like, is that just a funny play on words? Like, what does that mean? No, I have details. I'm going to go into it. But I'll give you a very quick example. For example, I take forever in the Taco Bell drive-thru. Okay, it's a point of contention. Actually, been uh, been teased about it when I'm in the car with people. I'm never ready to order. And it's not because I don't know what I want. It's because I want to make sure I made the right choice. So I often will look at everything and, you know, really think through it and think through different combos, permutations, analyze best value price, things like that. Some might say, oh, it's easier then, right, if you just decide what you want and just stick to it. Well, maybe, but it's not that I don't know what I want. I have very definitive answers if you ask me, what about this, what about this? I can tell you yes, no, but I need a yes, no, everything. So on the other hand, I wouldn't enjoy a prefix menu because I like to choose. Does this make sense? I don't like the act of choosing, but I like that there are choices. I like the choice that the choice wasn't made for me, but. The responsibility of choice to me personally means that I want to make the best one. So at the end of the day, I could break it down this way. It's because I want information. I fucking love information. I'm sure some of you are aware when I go down research rabbit holes. Truly, one time I realized how much I love information when I was younger was in high school when I did my high school junior class uh, final project in U.S. history class on the eugenics movement because the assignment was to talk about something we didn't cover in history books and I had briefly like learned about it from um, our who was our social studies teacher like a year before and I live near Stanford Library where there's a whole eugenics archive uh, a lot of circular a lot of um, sources that aren't on the internet um but, you know, I loved being able to go and research and email things to myself and read it and really get a pretty horrifying look about that. So if you guys don't know what the UX movement was, oh boy, well, I won't get into it now, but it definitely inspired Hitler. So I'll just put it that way. You don't really want to be a movement that was inspirational for someone so awful. Um, but, but yeah, even to, to the point of information this year, when I started researching, um, the extreme right and, you know, the council on national policy, which led me to record the Ann Nelson episode. I remember reading about Hillsdale and being like, Oh my God, this is crazy. But also kind of getting horny looking at information, not because of the information itself, but because I was learning facts that I did not know. So that is the extreme version of someone who does fucking loves information um point being though I like being able to make an informed decision and some might say well isn't that capitalism possibly and by the way many might assume I'm a communist because I'm a comedian that's poor but uh I'm not okay I am I wouldn't 
ever identify myself by my governmental policy either. So I'm not going to be like, I'm a capitalist. I believe in human rights and freedom, okay? And neither the version of capitalism that we have or the version of communism that China has really has 100% of freedom or human rights. So fuck that. But I will say um, capitalism loosely is the idea that we are given more and more choices, therefore more and more better options. But I believe um, the the part that we don't have is access to information. So now we've put so much money in these businesses' hands and marketing you know, marketing geniuses to trick us and stuff that we, the consumers, don't actually have access to all the best information. There's a moment in time when Amazon was great because of reviews, and now the reviews are, they're, they're tainted. They're, they've been compromised. They're full of review farms. So the reality is it's become harder to get information to know what choice to make, which to me feels similar to not having a choice, okay? Uh, here's another example. Okay, if I gave you four houses to live in, right? That's great. I don't even have one house to own. But I was like, you can choose any of these four houses. They're all different. I'm not going to tell you which one's better, but they're all different from the outside. And you can have it. Isn't that great? Those are choices. Uh, oh, but one of them doesn't have running water. The other has bed bugs, and another's haunted. So, all right, make your choice. You get choices. That would be great if you could easily know by looking at it outside which one was which. But you got to collect some information, right? You got to figure it out. You got to go in. You got to take a look around. You got to, you know, make sure you got to check out the neighborhood. You got to sleep there a few nights to make sure it's not the haunted one. That's a very small microcosm of what I mean. But every choice we have now, like we are paralyzed because you don't want to make the wrong one. I think in my head, I always feel like I need to make all the choices first and then come back and make the right one. And that is why I often make mistakes because sometimes I'm like, I need to eliminate all the wrong choices so that I know I'm not leaving behind a better choice. Now, you might say that sounds greedy and you might be right. You are right. There's a reason I'm talking about this now. I think I'm coming to a crossroads where I'm realizing like you don't have to try everything. You just have to constantly be true to yourself and what your needs and wants are at the moment. So if something isn't fulfilling them, you probably didn't make the right choice. And that is called settling, right? And I'm not saying you need to have 100% all the time or hold yourself to impossible standards. But you just got to know how to create the world that you want to live in by connecting to others who also want that, okay? You can't silo yourself away from society and still expect to be a part of it. You and me, all of us, are part of the world we create and get to live in. That's the cool thing. Yeah, it sucks when it's not your world, but over time, if you're, we're all doing these things, we'll find this balance, I think. Okay, I don't know. That's me on my kumbaya, hoping things work out. Um, but, uh, there is that video of me doing mushrooms on the internet, which now has somehow 8 million views. Um, but one thing I remember from that trip, because believe it or not, even though I seem very high in that, it is still me. And I remember my thoughts. Um, I remember being in this, the, the door scene of the nightmare before Christmas, and you can go through all these doors, right? And I've talked about that in the video, but I also believe I, as a kid, loved that scene because the idea of all the doors to me were the choices. And I love that, you know, the Tim Burton made the choice for us to watch the story of the Halloween door. But there, it was just cool. Instead of just starting it in Halloween Town, right? 
he created this this little glimpse into what else there is. So it gives me this beautiful moment of like, I love that there are choices, that we're not just watching the story and going, why? But we're watching this story and I know it was someone's choice to make this story about Halloween, right? Because in a world that has all of these different doors, why did he choose that one? Well, he gave us a story and it's a great story. So that's why. Um, so I think to me, it goes back to this idea of storytelling. Like I love writing, but what's so hard about writing is eliminating the choices. As you tell the story, you are making choices to tell this one and not another one. And as the writer, you kind of have what feels like the option to tell any story. But just like, uh, I think this Michelangelo said that when he carves a block of stone, he's actually letting the to figure out I think stories are the same way it's not that there's a wrong or right choice but there is a strong choice and there's a choice that feels right for that cohesive story and so as you tell it you might not know where it's going but if you are being true to the character and the motivations and sort of the theme that you want to embody there is one version that is the choice you make and that will be the good version for you because you will feel good about it um obviously it's a work in progress for me to get there I'm constantly paralyzed by choice but the reality is if you don't make any, you basically have no choices, right? If you make no choice, you're doing nothing. So I, I guess that this kind of folds back to the idea of voting, even though I really didn't mean for it to. Um, but it is election week. And I think what scares a lot of people about choosing is that they then live in a world where they chose a thing that they might not feel they have all the information about and then you feel responsible so there's so some sort of comfort in abstaining from the choice even though it's not real so it's, it's an a myth or an illusion that when you abstain you're not making a choice but you are you're choosing to live in this world that you helped create by not making a choice does that make sense so for people who don't vote um you know if enough people don't vote and they're all Democrats, you can infer that the Democrats will lose some votes. If enough people don't vote and the Republicans, same thing. So the idea is like by doing anything, you are making a choice, but it feels a little more comforting for some to not have to actively say, I pick A or I pick B. So I, um, I hope this isn't getting too heady, but this really like to me is something I've been thinking about a lot because I think when I was younger, I would date a lot of, um, I, don't know, I mean, I obviously liked everyone I dated, but I think there was this feeling that I was like repeating a pattern that I couldn't understand until I got older. So I constantly found myself thinking like, why is this always happening to me, like to me, right? Like, why am I always in this situation? How did I end up here? I really didn't understand that I got there because of a lot of choices I made. Sure, other people involved as well, and they made choices, right? The point is not to victim blame or say one person is responsible for everything. But the only thing I have control over in my life is my own choice. And they have to interact with other choices too. But by completely saying I was not responsible, I took away all power I had. I'm not saying I have all the power, but I took away all power that I did have, right? You can't really boost up your power or level up if you... Never give yourself a chance to use it. So when I used to um, be single out in the New York <laughs> dating pool, ugh, what a nightmare. I mean, I gotta say, like, there were some fun nights where really, peop this, it's an energy. You go out in your 20s and everyone's just like, it's it's fun, but it's not really conducive to these long, 
long-term healthy relationships at least not the world that I saw you know and probably for a reason I probably was looking in the wrong places but how I used to feel was like every time I used dating apps I would feel like everything was the same like oh look at all these people I don't want to make a choice nobody stands out to me I was like waiting for someone to catch my eye I didn't want to do the work of trying to figure out what I wanted and actually make an informed choice I often would match with someone and just be like I don't care how this goes right like I'll go on a date I usually wouldn't really want to or look forward to it but I'd be like why not? I hope he changes my mind. Well, that's a terrible place to start. You go on a date waiting for someone to change your mind about not wanting to date them. I mean, I feel sorry for the people I went on dates with. I apologize. But to be fair, I didn't know myself well enough. So I wasn't giving myself, you know, the opportunities either. Um, but now it's a little different, right? Like I actually, I met my boyfriend on a dating app. I would never have considered that possible because I gave dating apps a pretty solid college try. And I just, Never ever could connect to anybody. And I think it's because I wasn't connecting to myself before I started using it. But this um, this time around, I remember going through a breakup last year. And then in the fall, I started getting on dating apps. Um, you know, tentatively, I was like, I think I'm ready to try. But to me, these were choices. I was not talked into it. I made an active choice that I wanted to try dating because I wanted to try learning healthy and responsible uh, relationship patterns and the only way to like take the tools you've learned in therapy out into the real world is to go into the real world there's no like practice there's no scrimmage for relationships like you enter a relationship if you fuck up that is someone you're hurting but that doesn't mean you should stay away it just means to really make sure you're prepared and equipped you got to just continue working on yourself so I remember entering the dating pool um and I've, and it's almost like all these 30 years that I spent fucking it up kind of all came together. And I was like, oh, I get it now. Like I eliminated a lot of wrong choices. So it became way easier. I don't know how to describe it. It was like night and day, like it's like a one, 180 degree change from having absolutely no idea what I was doing, really being frustrated to knowing how to describe myself in words that felt like me, you know, really try to represent who I what I liked about myself, hoping that someone else would like those same things versus when I was younger, it was like, how do I appear to be a hot girl so that I'll get swiped right on, even though reality, that's not how I present to my world. And that's also not what I like about myself. You know, like what I like about myself is just being really stupid and silly and being able to have fun. So that's kind of what I ended up going with. Just like, what would I like to swipe on? And um, I have to say, like, I had a really good experience entering the dating pool again. Um, you know, first I dated a guy that I actually already had a crush on from knowing him through comedy. And um, we actually went on our first date on my birthday last year. And and that, you know, didn't move forward after like a month. Um, he ended things very politely because it was like, you know, one of those like, OK, mm. this isn't going to be the thing. I like you. I like you. Cool. And it really was great. I will have to say great practice, not practice. It was a great game. That's how I'll call it. It was a great game. So in my head, like I wanted to, I thought winning meant, uh, this is a bad analogy, but I'm going to keep going with it. Making it to the championships, right? Meant like going long-term. I'm in it. I'm the girlfriend. But the reality is like, I want to be a good player. I want to be able to be good and healthy in relationships and be a supportive partner which means even with someone who 
learns after a few dates that like they might like me but I'm not the one for them that I need to as a solid partner and you know whatever teammate respect that which I did but I also have to as a solid teammate for myself be okay with being sad about it which I was it took me a few weeks I was a little sad a little hurt but I acknowledged it I didn't try to hide it I was like I'm a little hurt you know I was rejected but that's because that's what happens right when you lose the game and then you're ready to go and then I processed it and I moved on and these were all choice. like I truly I, I think I dated like two I went on dates with two people from Raya and two two people from hinge and it was like two for two two for two like truly like some of them didn't end up being like uh you know dating for a long time but it, everybody i actually spent time with talking to and trying to meet up with by that time i was making a choice that like yes you're the person i want to see tonight not i think i want to go on a date tonight i'll just say yes to whatever like there's a difference you know like i've honed in on understanding like i'm choosing to hang out with you with my time therefore I know that my time is valuable. Therefore, I'll know if someone doesn't treat me with the same respect I'm treating myself. And it becomes much easier to find people who respect you when you respect yourself. Um, and yeah, so I, I want to speak to some of the like, not downsides, but the, the hard parts of making these choices. So I'd love to say that dating was just easy breezy, but it's been it's just as tough, right? It's one of those things that's still just as tough. But now that I'm resetting my patterns and learning how to make these like healthier choices, um, it doesn't make it easier, but it makes it more rewarding. Like I, there's positive reinforcement along the way where I find, oh, this door takes me to a new place and I like it so far. So I'll keep going, but I'm ready to turn back if it sucks. I'm not trying to convince myself there's only one answer. I might be on the wrong path, but I know for sure it's a different one than the one I repeated like 20 times in my youth. So I'm going to keep trying it. And so this is a hard thing I had to do. In February, I had to end things with a girl I really liked, uh, but it was a choice. And and she was someone I had met in the fall on a dating app, and I liked her a lot. And we kind of connected and went on a few dates. And I think emotionally I was ready to start dating again and learning that people are not all, you know, toxic narcissist but I I don't think I was ready for a full relationship and she was someone who I liked enough that if I wanted to keep dating I would want to be in a relationship like because it happened over a few months and enough where I was like I don't really do casual I don't want to not make a choice by just letting this go on as it is like this would be the time when I would if I was someone on the other end like waiting I guess for an answer I would want the person I'm with to either let me know that they're interested in a relationship or that they don't see that and that they've given it a thought and we should part ways because my goal in the long run is to be in a relationship and so that's only fair um so I had to end things with her and it it was hard because and I don't know if I handled it that well like I wish I could have said all that to her but I think what I I thought what was the nicest way to let her down was to just to say I don't like I don't see this going into a relationship and that's what I'm looking for and I don't do casual, which is all true. But I think explaining a little bit more about like, oh, these patterns and what I have. The reality is at the time, I really just felt like nobody wants to hear that. Nobody likes to get rejected, but they like honesty. So just be honest and let it go. But everybody's different. She's not me, right? Like I'm someone who might not want to hear that someone's just, that I'm not the one, right? Like I wasn't chosen, but that doesn't mean I'm not great. 
I don't want to hear that. But I think for her, she really wanted to hear that because then like a month later, she like messaged me and kind of there was unfinished business. Like there was stuff she hadn't said that she was upset about how it ended and, and feeling that I had um, uh, sort of like not been forthcoming. So that to me though, I it was a learning opportunity, but also like a kind of a really, how can I say this? It was a really like a uh, serene moment for me because in that moment I realized like I by de- trying to date people, I, I'm making myself vulnerable. And also, a, I also am asking other t- people to be vulnerable. So I'm realizing that there is a real possibility of hurting someone. But if I'm acting truthfully and being honest, like just like that guy who ended things with me, he's acting, it can still hurt me. But as a girl who's now able to handle m- my feelings, I, you know, was sad for three weeks and processed it and it was okay. So I have to understand like as much as people can hurt me, I also can't control if they're upset and they're allowed to be, I need to give them space to be. And everyone's in a different part of the journey. Like I do think there was a moment where she tried to put that feeling on me as if it was my responsibility. And I can only take ownership for my choice, which is I am ending things. So if that does make her sad, that is my, my choice. And yes, I get, I have responsibility there, but as far as, you know, owing any more explanation that was comfortable for me, like I don't need to go into my personal therapy. I don't need to go into the the relationship I got out of that sort of set me up for not being ready to enter another. I don't need to go into that because that's my choice, how much I want to share, right? So I think this is what I'm learning now is like the nuance of being honest is it's not, the truth is not always true and untrue there is a full picture you can paint and the way to get more information to make the right choice I think is just to keep asking questions and and then also respecting when someone else does not want you in their like boundary like everybody has these boundaries and you need to understand that it's not anybody's it's not your given right to get the answers but you're you should always be allowed to ask a question Um, I hope you guys are following along. Okay. Cause this is so interesting to me. So I'm going to use another example. So that was me learning that making a choice, um, could be very beneficial because the moment it was very uncomfortable to have her be upset at me because nobody likes to be, um, just nobody wants to have people mad at them. But the reason I say it was serene was because I didn't, um, I didn't feel like, it sounds weird to say this because it wasn't like that. I was heartless. Like I felt empathetic for her I know that feeling I felt sad that she was sad but I did not feel guilty or responsible or like I needed to fix it I understood like this is what happens and it's sad but unless I want to be with her which I liked her a lot but I you know I was not ready for a relationship that was true so I I there's nothing we do she was sad about the truth which is the truth so I didn't feel in that moment like shame or anything it was very serene it was a way I connected I understood her I felt upset I addressed her feelings but I did not take ownership of them because I think so much of um, learning how to make these choices is that you also have to be okay with what's on the other end of your choice which are I guess you can call them consequences but they're also just life right you make you input output input output so you gotta be okay once you put something in there that whatever comes out you chose that 
And for that reason, I think a lot of younger people, including myself when I was younger, felt it was easier to eliminate choice, right? Then you can't be afraid of making the wrong one. And adults often do make choices for children. And I think they start to learn that it's comfortable when adults make choices for you. But they're only doing that because you're a child. I think the way to get over this is you have to slowly fall. Like, you don't learn to ride a bicycle without falling. But you get good at riding a bicycle if you've fallen a few times. But if you've never fallen, riding a bike as an adult is probably so scary. If you don't fall, the magnitude of a fall is going to just be overwhelming. And I think as children, if you've never given a choice and everything's made for you, as you get older, you can be very overwhelmed by a consequence, right? I mean, this kind of speaks a little bit to like privilege as well. Um, I know I'm not, I'm trying to make this personal and not have it all be about politics, but it does kind of tie in in the fact that like a lot of times very, very sheltered, very privileged, um, well-off people, like let's say like, like, you know, rich white old billionaires. Um, why are they so afraid? Because I think they have so many choices made for them that they start to feel very comfortable in this boxed life. And then to, I mean, even, you know, going back to this idea of being against abortion or being against gay marriage, it's like, they're trying to eliminate these choices because if you made this a possibility, then they might have to consider, well, am I making the right choice? Like, am I gay? Or, you know, is is everything in the Bible true or whatever? I mean, although abortion is not even, not to even go down that path, but it's very much been polarized from politics less than religion. Um, but I do think um, it's not a coincidence that pro like life is not the opposite of choice in fact choice is i would say a key definition of life yet why do they use those terms pro-life pro-choice right if you grow up all your life feeling like you're only here because someone made the choices for you the idea of allowing people freedom to choose is very scary because then you're like well what if people make the wrong choice and press the wrong button and boop we're all gone but these aren't random people. These are humans who can learn empathy and make informed choices. And that's what we're missing is this idea that we should always be able to ask questions and you should not be afraid of not having the answer. Oh my goodness. Okay. A lot of religious schools make people wear uniforms. I, for one, am not against uniforms. Honestly, some uniforms are quite cute. Probably save your parents a lot of money trying to buy limited two shirts. But the uniforms are a way of kind of eliminating that choice. It takes your mind off of that and, you know, to a certain degree can actually be very good for focus for school, but also takes away expression, right? Um, I think the idea of having a choice there in high school with clothes, like, right, you then have to decide, like, what clique are you going to fit in? What are you going to wear? Blah, blah, blah. But even with uniforms, we all know they're still going to be the cool girls. They're still going to be the jocks. Like, people are still going to make those choices. It still happens. And I just think, it's an illusion to say we can take away people's choices and make their lives easier because that is assuming everyone's starting from the same place. And that's just not true. The reason there are choices is because we know the right choice is not the right one for everyone. And I think in order for people to get past needing to regulate others' choices, they need to understand that like the right choice for you is not the right choice for someone else, right? The person who's the one for me is, I hope, not the one for anyone else because... I want them to be the one for me or whatever. That's a bad example because I don't really believe in the one. But if you did, there you go. You can't tru you can't be the one for everybody you've dated because, well, that's going to really suck because then you've got 
well, then you've got to really split up your time, right? Then you're like the eighth for everybody. Anyways, that sounds like a drug thing, but it's not meant to be. <laughs> you're the joint for everyone, but be the bull, be the bong. Okay, I, I'm almost done. I promise. Um, I ho- please, if you're listening to this and you relate to it, let me know. Or if you're like, Mm-mm, totally disagree. Or if you've got insight or other information I haven't considered, I'd love to hear it. Like I said, information makes me wet. Um, okay, so I was talking about answers and I want to kind of wrap up on this. We shouldn't be afraid of not having the answer. It can be very scary to be asked a question you don't know the answer to, especially if you're in a test, but uh, hopefully you've studied for the test. But in real life, it's even scarier because you're like, well, what if the answer doesn't exist, right? People don't always want to know why we're here, who the God is, because what if the answer does not exist? So that's why people think it's easier to just be told the answer. Some religions encourage question asking. A lot of like more, um, I guess evangelical religions that are based on keeping the you know the community tight and and sort of no insiders no outsiders that kind of thing only insiders no outsiders they don't really encourage question asking because sometimes it really does poke some holes in the theories I will say it is really fun as someone who this year finally started asking more questions and getting more answers it's really fun to actually get to that point with a partner where you don't have the answers and you look together and that used to be really scary to me I remember one of my old relationships that was kind of unhealthy and toxic I was constantly like asking him like what do you want because he would act like he wanted to be with me but then he would do something totally different and then I would say very clearly I want to be in a relationship with you and it's what I want and I'll be sad if you don't but I'm ready to make the choice of putting myself out there. And if you don't want it, I'm ready to feel hurt. But he couldn't let me go or make that choice. So he would always say, I don't know. I don't know. And then over three years, we really like went up and down. I realized like he did make the choice, right? By by giving me three years of sort of, you know, this emotional abuse, like that is a choice, right? You can't then suddenly say, now I choose to be a kind boyfriend or you know propose and be a husband and then eliminate those three years you that's part of the relationship so I do not looking back on myself and how I was paralyzed by choice I do not um, how do I say this because I I don't want to say it like it's victim blaming because it's all my fault like I do think that everybody has responsibility for their actions and how much they hurt others but let's just put it this way I forgive him I don't really hold any anger or resentment towards him because I kind of understand that that feeling of not wanting to make the wrong choice. But now that I understand it, I don't think I would find myself in that situation again. Um, He was kind of like, I think I was afraid of asking questions I didn't want to know the answers to either. Right. Like, do you love me? Things like that. It's very scary. But then I started making choices like I did tell him I love you when I felt it. And he didn't say it back and it did hurt. But now I have learned that these are you might call them red flags, right? Because I kept dating him after that. And if I was ever in that situation again, which I don't think I will be, I will know what to do because I I made a choice and I I stayed present for the uh, output and I learned from it. So that's why I think choice is important. Um, my my relationship now, I I have a boyfriend now, which I've talked about. I know you guys are like, <sighs> you keep talking about your boyfriend. I just want you guys to know that somebody loves me. I am lovable. Um, that's a joke. Well, 
It is true. Um, <laughs> I hope. I love myself, so I am lovable. Um, in my relationship now, I often ask questions um, because I'm still trying to figure myself out. And he doesn't always know the answers to them. But it doesn't scare him, which is so inspiring to me. Like, I really am just like I really admire his calm and stability because when I ask something that he doesn't know the answer to he's not afraid and then what's really cool is then we realize oh we're partners who have the same questions so we can look for the answers together and that is what I'm talking about that that feeling that euphoric moment is actually stronger than that toxic feeling I used to get euphoria from which is when someone withholds from you and then gives a little bit but there's an even better feeling. So for anyone who's been in these like toxic withholding situations on the, and you feel like, oh, but nothing's ever going to be as good. On the other side of that is finding someone who's so giving that you are able to give yourself and they give you their, their self. And then you just kind of search for the answers together. It's very cool. Like, I, I don't know. I like, you're like, what kind of questions? For example, um, one time I, we were hanging out over the weekend and I just felt Sunday night rolled around. It was time for him to go home. And I just started crying. I just felt so sad. I was so sad because I, well, frankly, I don't know, right? It was a question my body was asking, right? Like, I think what my, the question was, was, will I see you again? Even though we've been dating for months and there's nothing to lead me to believe I wouldn't see him again. I've been trained through these experiences of withholding that I might not ever see him again. Because that's a feeling I've had where I feel like things were so sure. And then the rug got pulled. So that was a question I don't have the answer to and I started crying and I tried my best to explain it to him by saying like I think some of this is negative pattern from before but clearly I'm picking up on something too and I don't know like do you know all this stuff right and he was like he I don't know like I'm here and blah blah, blah. like he was here for it. it didn't scare him but he also wasn't afraid to be like I don't know because it's like in my head I want to be like you have to promise never to leave me it's like well he can't and if someone promises that they're lying because nobody can so I love that he's able to tell me things like I don't know like I don't know the answer but in a real way not I don't know because I'm not choosing like he can tell me what he knows now like I want to be here with you now if you ask me now I do want to see you again could that change of course but is he actually acting in the moment and being authentic yes so that is the kind of thing to me where I'm like we then look for the answer together we both are trying to figure out together where we're going and that's really cool like that is something I never thought I would like to sit in this this uncertainty but when you have a partner ready to ask the same questions as you that is really beautiful and so uh, and I'll give you an example he asked me questions I don't know the answers to too so it's not just me asking questions it's not like mansplaining like and when he says when I say questions I mean he shares things with me and I'm so used to men I've dated like just sharing things with me to teach me something and then I'd be like oh that's good but he'll tell me things that he's learning like oh he's learning about the stock market or this and he's reading about these financial reports and he'll go off about it and like be like, this is so interesting, this and this and this. And I read about these um, numbers and what do you think about this? And then I'll go, so what does that mean? And he says, I don't know. And at first that would throw me off because I'd be like, why are you telling me? I don't understand what information you're trying to give me. But then, honestly, just now, really, as I'm saying this, I realize that what he is doing is sharing a question he has and some information he has, but it's not enough for the answer. And he's sharing with me because, well, I hope it's because he cares what I think, but also because we're partners, right? So 
to me, it's like, oh, I don't need to feel bothered that I don't know how to respond to this because he doesn't either. I can respond how I would respond. And we can both sit in this moment where we're like, yeah, what does it mean? Well, here's what I think. Oh, here's what I think. And we can find something new together. So that's my confession. I love having choices, but I hate choosing. But I think I've broken it down a little bit. And now I'm starting to understand what I'm scared of is consequences, um, not choosing itself. So I think what I need to learn is to keep making choices in a way that makes it easier for me to make the right choice in the future. And I'll end with a fun note, okay? I always loved Halloween. Uh, obviously, it's around my birthday. I'm queer. You know, I used to sew. Many reasons. Halloween is so, so, so fun. I always used to put so much time into deciding what to be, and it was a choice that was hard. And I usually just start working backwards by like, oh, I want to wear fishnets, or I want to wear green, or I want to wear glitter, and then backwards based on what costume I can incorporate that in. But this year... Well, to be honest, because I barely do Halloween now and it's 2020 pandemic, there's no festivities. But I was like, I want to make a costume and take a picture because I love Halloween. So I was like, what should I be? What should I be? I have no idea. It could be anything. And then one day I just thought, you know that movie Rock-A-Doodle do? I love that chicken, that that cute chicken that looks like Ariana Grande. So I was like, I think I want to be something for Rock-A-Doodle do. And then my first instinct was, oh, I want to be the hot chicken. But I was like, kind of cliche just another sexy costume but you know what's also great is Chanticleer the Elvis Presley the cock the rooster and I thought how fun to just be a fucking cock a rooster for Halloween so again many other choices I could be but I just made a choice I'm going to be a chicken this year I'm gonna be a rooster I'm gonna be a I'm gonna be a hot rooster uh Elvis Presley rooster you know whatever you want to call it and that's it and I was like that's it I made the choice and then I got excited about it and I just started like designing the costume and I'm going to make some some feather tails and things like that. We'll see. I'll post a picture. But that's my little share that I instead of mulling over five million costumes, I just made a choice and then got excited about making it the best choice because once I'm in it, I can just design it however I want. So that's the episode. I hope you guys enjoy. I hope you guys have a great week and um, go vote. Hi, I'm Erin. And I'm Nicole. And we're the hosts of the comedy podcast, Dude, That's Fucked Up. Join us every Wednesday for an irreverent discussion on topics such as light cannibalism, all of the Donner Party, JFK's meth dependency, cryptid fanfic, and even pubes. It's available now on the Hoo Ha Ha Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Go to DTFUPodcast.com for more information. You know what's not fucked up? This podcast, you butthole. Eee. This has been a hoo-ha-ha podcast.